Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Thank you all. Hey, take out your Bibles, turn over to the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. While we're doing that, we'll talk about something really important. Who's looking forward to the new Batman versus Superman movie? Anybody? Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't think we'll get quite the, uh, the uh, round of agreement in the second service, but uh, a lot of people looking forward to that movie. At Warner Brothers Studio this week, you might have seen it in the paper, they were doing that Warner Brothers tour of the studio. It cost $69 to tour the studio. That's quite a bit of money if you got 
three or four kids or something. So you're on the tour. You don't want to be interrupted. Let's say you got two kids, your spouse, you spent $150 or something. Uh, you're going through there and suddenly your entire tour is interrupted. How would you feel if in the middle of this expensive tour, there was an interruption? And that's exactly what happened. They were going through, they were talking about the new Batman versus Superman movie. Right there was the uh, Batmobile that's in the movie. They walked up and then they said, well, let me ask you a question. Who do you think would win in a fight, Batman or Superman? The people thought about it and they said, well, you know, Batman's just a man, but Superman has superpowers. So Superman would probably win the fight. And immediately the Batmobile opens. The whole tour is interrupted. Ben Affleck, who plays that Batman, jumps out of the Batmobile and says, are you crazy? Batman would win. Here's a picture of, of him jumping, of coming out. And he's shaking his hands here. The, the, the exciting part is over at this particular point. But who would have minded that interruption? Anybody? You wouldn't have minded. You paid all that money. You would have liked that interruption. That would have been a good interruption. We're going to be talking today about divine interruptions in your life. Times God is trying to get your attention to help you, to, to, to teach you, to help you to grow. Or times God is trying to get you to do something so that you can help or teach or be an encouragement to another person. Divine interruptions. It's over in Luke chapter 8. That's what we're going to be looking at. And the first thing we see is this. We live in a busy, hectic world, and generally we don't like interruptions because of that. We live in a busy, hectic world, and so we really don't like interruptions. We don't want anything to, to mess up the schedule that we've set. Now in our scripture, let me give you a little background, because it's been one interruption after another for Jesus in Luke chapter 8. There's been a huge crowd they're following Jesus. They're, they're pressing upon him. Uh, they're wanting him to do all these things. Jesus tells the disciples, hey, we need to get some rest. You know, you all just need a little time to, to, to uh, de-stress a little bit. So let's get in a boat and go to the other side. Now, the other side is more than just going to the other side of the lake. The other side is Gentile country. So that's going to be an area where they're going to be left alone. Nobody's going to care about the, the Jewish prophet over there. And so they cross the lake. They get in the middle of the lake, it's the middle of the night, and a big storm hits. And so there's an interruption to crossing the lake. And so they go wake Jesus up, and they said, oh my goodness, there's this great storm, you know, do something to help us. Jesus does that miracle, calms the storm, and the disciples are amazed. Who is this guy? They get to the other side after rowing across the lake all night long. They're just over there to de-stress. They just want to break. As soon as they get across, people say, hey man, it's that prophet healing people. Crowds begin to gather. And then a guy with demons uh, comes and he, and, he, and he comes up to Jesus and uh, he starts yelling, you know, stop bothering us. What are you doing here? Jesus has that great healing of the garrison demoniac where the demons are put into the pigs and the pigs run over the side of the cliff and, and kill themselves. And so now suddenly there's been that interruption. But now Jesus is bad for the pig business uh, uh, and the people in the land are afraid of him. And the, so they say, don't stay here, go back to the other side. So they still don't get to rest. They get in the boat. They go all the way to the other side, back to Galilee in the Jewish territory. They land there and they finally think, okay, we're going to get a time to de-stress and rest. And let's see what happens. Luke chapter 8 down to verse 40. 
Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. So everybody's waiting for him to come back. As soon as they land, this crowd comes out of nowhere. Now, if you're one of the disciples, does this put you in a good mood? No, you just want a little rest. You're just trying to get there. There's one interruption after another. Then a man by the name of Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet. And he pleaded with him to come to his house. His only daughter, a girl of 12 years old, was dying. And so now there's another interruption. In the midst of the crowd, the ruler of the synagogue, one of the most important people in the city, comes to Jesus and says, my daughter's dying, falls down on his knees before Jesus. This gets everybody's attention. One of the most important people in town is on his knees before Jesus says, please come heal my daughter. Again, another interruption. I think we see this here that we live in a busy, hectic world. For the disciples, it was just one whirlwind and one interruption after another. But we kind of live in that same world. In the United States today, we live in one of the most hectic, busy, stressful times in the history of mankind. Now, it may interest you to know it's not because of the work we do. Work hours are actually shorter than they were 30 years ago. We're working less and we have more free time. Work less, more free time, and more material things to make life easier. Washing machines, dishwashers. Uh, my brother-in-law has one of those uh, um, uh, 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 vacuums that you just turn on and it vacuums the floor and you don't even have to touch it. You know, it just goes around vacuums the floor for you or, or something like that, you know. And, and we've got all of these things to make life easier, and yet we're more stressed and our lives are busier than ever. So if we're working less, have more free time and more amenities to help us, why are we so stressed? And there's all kinds of reasons for it. Uh, You know, one reason is we now have both spouses working. And so you have that double stress that's put there. Uh, We have longer commutes. The staff just came back from a, a conference in Los Angeles. We went from Santa Monica to Hollywood 12 miles, and it took an hour and 20 minutes uh, for us to do it. Uh, we, it was two 30 and, uh, we said, well, we need to go from this place to this, to this place. It's about nine miles. And, uh, and, uh, the lady at the desk said, well, you need to leave now because if you wait another hour, you're not going to get there for a couple hours. And we go, it's 12 miles. We go, yeah, you better go now. You know, that's all I'm telling you. Well, that would stress anybody. That's why you have road rage when you have those kind of things. You know, I live in Crestwood. If you've got to wait through the light one time, there's road rage. I mean, it's bad. You know, uh, that, that's just the way it is. And when you get around the Dairy Queen, oh, my goodness. I mean, it, it, it gets bad. Uh, that's there. And then think about the way we schedule our kids today. We have the most overscheduled children in the history of mankind. I know six years old, six year olds who are in computer classes, dancing classes, soccer, uh, you know, some kind of music class. They're into everything in the world, swimming lessons. They're six years old. And we've got these kids scheduled to the unbelievable myth. And then they get into sports and they play something like a traveling team. You know what traveling team means? You have no life forevermore. That's what a traveling team means. You will spend all of your money and have no life. You know, is basically what it comes down to. And so we live in this busy, hectic world, just like Jesus and his disciples. And we don't like interruptions because interruptions keep us from doing the important thing we've got to get to next. And that brings us to the next thing that we see in our scripture passage. We need to see interruptions as opportunities from God and give God permission to interrupt us. We need to see opportunities as as, as, uh, ways to learn and grow and let God interrupt us as we go through our daily schedule. Let's see what happens 
in our scripture passage. Look down at verse 42. Verse 42 of chapter 8. Because his only daughter, a girl of 12, was dying, Jesus was on his way. The crowds almost crushed him. And so Jesus is now going with Jairus to his house. This is a big deal for the crowd. It's a big deal because, man, something good's happening. They don't have television. You know, uh, this great prophet's going to heal the, the synagogue ruler's daughter. Everybody's gathered around, and we're told the crowd was pressing on them. They're trying to grab Jesus, trying to touch him, trying to get near him. Everybody yelling and screaming. You can't imagine the chaos of when Jesus was in town. People yelling, screaming, grabbing at you. Uh, last Sunday, uh, Dawn and Andrew and I went to Hillsong, Los Angeles, and uh, did just a great worship service. Unbelievable to see over a thousand people between 20 and 30. I was like the, the super senior adult uh, that, that was there. That I'd walk in, they go, man, what's the really old guy, you know, uh, doing here or something like that. But that's the church that uh, Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez attends. And uh, they were telling us that the last time that Justin and Selena were there, that they bring him in the back door. They go out the back door, but the, the people figure out what they're doing. And when he came out the back door, like a hundred teenage girls go rushing at him, trying to rip his shirt off and screaming and yelling. This is a church, you know, and, and everything. Well, that's kind of the, what's going on here. Everybody yelling, screaming, trying, trying to grab Jesus. And that's when the next interruption happens. Keep reading down to verse 43. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. So we have this woman who has had this blood hemorrhage for 12 years. Nothing she's done has been able to help her. Jesus comes by and she thinks maybe something can happen here, and she reaches out to touch Jesus to see if he can do something to help her in the midst of this madness, in the midst of this crowd. We need to see interruptions as opportunities from God. And that brings us to the next thing. God can use interruptions to grow you, to teach you, and to help you. So see interruptions in your life as a chance for God to do something in your life. To grow you, teach you, help you to become a better person, show you something you need to know. Think of interruptions as that way. This woman saw Jesus as a chance to do something in her life. She reached out to touch Jesus, thinking Jesus could help her. There will be interruptions in your life that God wants to use to do something in your life. You may see it as, oh no, I'm stuck on the freeway. You know, this is unbelievable. I've got to get to the next place. And now I'm really upset because I'm stuck on the interstate. But maybe what God is saying is, hey, take a few minutes And actually try to connect with me because you rush so much you never even have a time to talk to me. Use this opportunity for that. So God can use that interruption to help you get closer to him. Maybe the power goes out at your house and you can see that interruption. Oh no, we can't watch Home and Garden now. You know, or something. The the Bachelor was just coming on. Now what are we going to do in life? You know, uh, there's no power. And maybe what God says is, okay, there's no power. Why don't you use that time to actually uh, spend some time and play a game with your family? Or something that you haven't been doing before. Now, I don't believe God causes the power outage so that you can spend time with your family. But I do believe what God says is, hey, in this power outage, what can you do to redeem the time? Because I can use these interruptions to make your life better. So see interruptions that you have as opportunities for God to use you to come closer to help you. Give you an example of what I'm talking about. Last summer, several of us took a mission trip to Salt Lake City. 
And uh, the, the music minister at the church plant we worked with was a guy by the name of Garrett Ferris. Got a picture of Garrett and his wife uh, uh, right here. And, uh, or maybe I don't. Uh, but, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, they're a nice looking couple. There they are. Aren't they a nice, well, no, it's Jesus. Uh, man, I never knew that about Garrett. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Garrett and his wife, Brittany. Uh, and uh, they were uh, on staff at First Baptist Church, Wichita Falls, Texas. Very large church. Uh, he was the youth music director, uh, making a lot of money. When he felt the call, he and his wife, to go into missions in Salt Lake City. He was at the airport flying back from Wichita Falls to Salt Lake City, changing planes, and his plane was delayed. He, was, he said he wasn't happy. His plane was delayed. There's the interruption. So he says, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk up and down. I guess I'll go into some of these shops and see what they have, buy a People magazine or a National Enquirer or something. You know, I'm going to redeem the time. So he's walking up and down. He passes somebody, he turns around and looks and says, I know that guy. And he looks and goes, hey, I know you're Louis Giglio. Now, you may have never heard Louis Giglio, but he's a very famous pastor uh, uh, today, uh, writes a lot of books. And Giglio turns around and says, yeah, yeah. He says, nice to meet you. And he goes, hey, I've, I've read some of your books. And Giglio says, well, that's really nice. They start talking. He asks Derek, or he says, Garrett, he says, what's going on in your life? And he says, well, you know, I'm starting this new church plant and he said, uh, uh, just remember us. He said, it's real, we're really struggling. He said, I left a really good paying job. And now I don't even know if I get paid at the end of the week at this church plan or anything. He said, it's just very, very hard. And then he said, then I got all emotional and I teared up. And he said, Louis Giglio said, hey, let's just take a second and go over to the side and you and I pray. So they go over the side, Giglio prays for him. And, uh, and then he says, look, I've really got to catch an airplane, man. It was nice to meet you. And he takes off. Garrett goes back, sits down, waiting for his plane, still delayed. And he said, he says a little prayer and he says, thank you, God, for interrupting my day because that prayer has really encouraged me. And then he sees somebody running down the, 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 uh, the hall there at the airport and he looks up and it's Louis Giglio. And Giglio says, there you are. He says, man, my plane is boarding right now. I couldn't find a money machine. I finally found one. Here's $500. And he hands it to Garrett and Garrett says, my mouth drops open. I can't even say thank you. And he says, don't say anything. This is me giving to the Lord. You've blessed me today. And then he turns around and runs off. That was an interruption by a flight delay. But God used that interruption to help teach and grow. Look at interruptions in your life as opportunities to help teach and grow in your life. But interruptions can be used for a different reason. Interruptions aren't just always about you. Sometimes God's going to interrupt your life so that you can help someone else. So that you can encourage or teach or be there for someone else. In the story I've just told, there were two interruptions. Garrett's life was interrupted by the flight delay and Louis Giglio's life was interrupted. One was so that they could be helped and grow. The other was so that they could help someone else. So see, interruptions is an opportunity for you to help someone else. Go back to our story. That's exactly what happens with Jesus. Look at verse 44 again. She came up behind Jesus, touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. All she does is touch Jesus and her bleeding stops. And Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And everybody denies touching him. And Peter says, Master, everybody's crowding around and grabbing at us. And you ask who touched you? You know, here's Peter. What in the world's going on? You know, everybody's going crazy. It's a crazy crowd. And you're wondering who touched you. 
And then Jesus says something really interesting. Jesus said, someone touched me for I know that power has gone out of me. So apparently when Jesus healed, he could literally feel the power of God leaving him and going to the person that that he was healing at that time. And then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she'd been instantly healed. And then Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. The one thing she hadn't had for 12 years, peace and healing, Jesus gave to her then. Sometimes Jesus is going to use interruptions in your life so that you can help somebody else. Now, here's the thing. For that to happen, you've got to give God permission for it to happen. Because God's never going to do anything in your life that you don't allow him to do. So you've got to be willing when the interruptions come to say, Lord, let me learn something through this. What are you trying to teach me? How can I redeem this time? You've got to do something in the interruption to say, okay, it's being interrupted. What can I do to help another person? What can I do to encourage someone else? You've got to give God that permission. And when you do, God's going to do some unbelievable things in your life, but he's never going to force you to help someone else. And he's never going to force you to learn something or to grow or be helped yourself. You've got to be anticipating. You've got to be excited and you've got to be involved in the process. And when you are, God's going to bring some amazing encounters into your life. There's a young man in New York City by the name of Carl Manley. And uh, this past January, Carl was walking home from his job, and it was a nasty day. There was there was been snowing, ice all over the ground. It was spitting sleet, and he said he was walking as fast as he could, didn't want to be interrupted, just trying to get home. And he said as he was crossing the street, he saw this little old lady standing in the middle of the street. And people were just passing by her right and left. And he said, she's just standing there. And so he's going, the sleet's banging him in the face. He just wants to get home, and he goes, ugh. And he turns around and he goes, are you okay? And the lady says, help me. I'm scared to death. I'm afraid I'm going to fall on the ice. And I just need somebody to help me across the street. So Carl helps her across the street. She gets across the street and she won't let go of his arm. And he says, okay, look, I'm cold. I want to get home. He won't let go of my arm. She goes, can you walk me to my house? I'm afraid I'm going to fall down. So he takes her to this house, her house. They start talking. As they do, they find out they're on the same schedule uh, with their work jobs and everything. And so Carl tells her, I tell you what, every day I'll meet you at that same street corner and I'll walk you home. Here's a picture of Carl walking that lady home uh, today. That was someone who was willing to let his life be interrupted. And because he did that, he formed a relationship that was meaningful to him. And this lady found someone to care for her. Allow God to interrupt you and God will do some amazing things. That brings us to the next thing that we see in our scripture. We need to know the difference between godly interruptions and daily distractions. Okay, there is a difference between a godly interruption and a daily distraction, because there will be things that try to take you away from what you need to be doing and things that will push you towards what you need to be doing. And you've got to be able to tell the difference. Now, in our scripture, there were all kinds of divine interruptions in Jesus schedule. 
If you go all the way back, uh, the first divine interruption was the storm. That just seemed like a, a terrible interruption. The disciples is trying to cross the lake. But that interruption was used for Jesus to show the disciples who he really was and his power. When they get to the other side, there's a divine interruption uh, because the, the guy with the demon comes out and Jesus is able to heal him and lead him to Christ. There's another divine interruption when they get across the lake back home and Jairus shows up. They just want to rest. Jairus shows up. Come heal my daughter. That was a divine interruption. Jesus is going to do something now to care for another person. And there was a divine interruption when the lady with the blood hemorrhage grabbed his garment. That was a divine interruption in Jesus' life. All of those things were things that God was using to make a difference in someone's life or that have someone else make a difference in theirs. There were also, though, daily distractions that could have kept Jesus away from all of those things. So what were the daily distractions, and how do you tell the difference? Well, there are several distractions that come in our scripture passage. The first distraction is that when the disciples land, the crowd show up, and they're just tired. Have you ever just been tired and didn't want to do something? So that's the first distraction. You know, we're just tired. Leave us alone. I don't want to be interrupted. I just want to rest. So that's a distraction that will keep you sometimes from the divine interruption because you're just tired. The second distraction that happens comes from the disciples. They're finally, they're going to go to Jairus' house. Okay, he's an important guy. We'll be more famous. All right, we'll go. You know, they're going to do it. And then the woman grabs Jesus' garment and Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples say to Jesus, look, everybody's crowding around. Everybody's grabbing you. Why are you stopping? The second daily distraction was this. We're too busy. The first was we're too tired. The second is we're too busy. Look, we're doing something important. We're trying to get somewhere. We're trying to get to Jairus' house. And you're keeping us from getting there. This lady is. Let's just keep going. We're too busy to stop and deal with her right now. This is too important what we're doing. The third distraction comes, let's keep reading in our scripture passage now and see what happens happens immediately after the healing of the woman down to verse 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and said, your daughter is dead, don't bother the teacher any longer. So Jesus is interrupted, heals the woman with the blood hemorrhage, and Jairus' daughter dies while he's doing it. And they said, don't need to go anymore. It's too late. And that's a distraction. Look, this time's passed. I would have loved to have done it, but it's just too late. Don't have time to do it anymore. You know, Sorry, sorry, too late. Can't do that. That'll be a distraction that comes to you. Don't have the, don't have the time. It's just too late. Sorry. You know, I'd like to have done it, uh, but things got in the way and I just wasn't able to. And then there's one more distraction. Keep reading verse 50. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she'll be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he didn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning, and he said, stop wailing. She isn't dead, she's just asleep. And they laughed him to scorn because they knew she was dead. So here's the last thing that they tell him. There's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do. You know, okay, it's too late. You you know, you're too tired. You're too busy. And there's nothing you can really do anyway. Uh, I was listening to uh, one of those call-in shows the other day, and they were talking about a guy in Lexington who was running down the street on fire. 
and, and all these cars passed by. And then some people got out and threw him on the ground and put the fire out and everything. And uh, they said to the other host, they said, what would you have done? And he said, I don't know what to do if somebody's on fire. I guess I would have felt sorry for him, but I kept going because I don't know what to do. You know, you know, you know, nothing I can do about it. What could I do to, to help in that in that situation? That's what they're saying to Jesus. There's nothing you can do here. And that's the distraction we have. How do you know the difference between a daily distraction and divine interruption? A divine interruption, as you get into it, is always going to be something that's going to build you up, encourage you, teach you, or allow you to do that for someone else. A daily distraction is something that's going to keep you from doing one of those things. It's going to keep you from helping someone else. It's going to convince you, look, it's too late, you can't do it. You're too busy, don't do it. Uh, You know, you can't do anything anyway. It's going to try to take you away from doing good. And we have daily distractions all the time. Give you a real uh, simple one that happened to me on Thursday. Uh, had a call from someone said, Hey, can you, you know, so-and-so's in the hospital. Can you come up and visit them, uh, either this afternoon or in the morning? And I said, sure. So I thought, well, I I guess I'll, I'll go up this afternoon and see them. And so I'm getting ready to leave to go up to the hospital to see them. And and when I do, I see Ralph Hopkins and Jerry Douglas, two members of our church, and they're walking down the hallway. And I said, well, I'm going to go talk to Ralph and, and Jerry. So I got in the hallway and I talked to them for a few minutes. And then I come back in the office and leave and I hear Mary Coombs and Mike Hauser laughing in the office back there. And I thought, well, I need to go back and see what they're laughing about. And so, you know, I go back and, and I talk for them for a while. And then I'm getting ready to leave. And Dan Eckernock comes in. He goes, oh, I need to talk to you for a second. Oh, sure. And I go down and I'm talking to, to Dan. And then he leaves and I look at my watch and I said, oh, man, it's 430. It's going to be rush hour. It's too late and it'll be too busy for me to go to the hospital. Now, I went ahead and went fighting that traffic. But I had to convince myself to do it. That was a daily distraction trying to keep me from something that God wanted done. So that's how you know the difference. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture passage. Our greatest encounters with God are almost always going to come through interruptions. Your greatest encounters with God will almost always come through interruptions. Let's look what happens at the end of our scripture passage. Keep reading down uh, in our scripture down to verse 53, 54. But he took the girl by the hand, said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned. At once she stood up. And then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. And her parents were astonished. But he ordered them not to tell anyone what he'd just done. So because Jesus allowed the interruption to happen in his life, a dead girl now had life once again. The encounters with God that you have that will be the most significant are almost always going to be divine interruptions. Think about the life of Jesus. Almost every significant thing that Jesus does his entire ministry happened because of an interruption. The woman at the well, he's just waiting for lunch and she comes up and starts bothering him. Uh, how about the, the call of Matthew? He's going by. Matthew's at the, at the uh, tax collector's table. He goes up to Matthew. Think of any of the encounters that Jesus would have. He calls the disciples while they're out fishing. It was an interruption in what they were doing. Interruptions. Jesus is going down. He's teaching. And they rip the roof off the house and lower a paralytic down to him. That was an interruption in what Jesus was doing. Almost every significant thing that happened in the life of Jesus came about during an interruption. 
Look at the rest of the Bible. Almost every important thing that happens in the Bible came about through an interruption. Moses was simply watching sheep and came upon a burning bush. It interrupted his day. Peter was fishing when Jesus interrupted his day. Amos was keeping fig trees when Jesus interrupted his day. David was watching sheep when, when his God interrupted his day. Gideon was threshing wheat, hiding in a wine press when an angel came and interrupted his day. Paul was on the road to Damascus to persecute and arrest Christians when Jesus interrupted his day. When you allow God to interrupt your day and see these interruptions as opportunities to grow or help someone else, you will find unbelievable encounters with God that will happen over and over again. There's a bluegrass singer by the name of John Thomas Oakes. Got a picture of him uh, right here. He's struggling to make it in New York City right now. And uh, so one of the things he does to make money is that on Friday and Saturday nights, he goes to the busiest Starbucks in the world at 51st and Broadway, and he plays bluegrass music for people. Uh, Just a couple of weeks ago, he was at that Starbucks. He was playing some music, and he started playing the song, If You Don't Know Me By Now. If you don't know me by now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. CD's available as you, as you go out. You also get it for your iPod. You just put it. But anyway, uh, he's singing that song. And there was a lady in the corner that started singing louder than he was. And so he stops. His song's interrupted. And everybody begins to stare at the lady. And so uh, she gets embarrassed. And she says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. And he goes, that's okay. He said, why don't you sing one with me? And she says, oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. And he, go, and he gets up. Takes his uh, guitar, walks over, sits down next to her and goes, now let's sing a song together. So he's embracing the interruption. He says, what do you want to sing? And she goes, oh, I really don't know many songs. She said, all I know is hymns. And he said, well, I was raised in church. I know some hymns. What do you want to sing? And she goes, oh, I don't care. She said, any hymn you want to sing? He goes, "Um, how about Eye on the Sparrow? And she looks at him kind of funny and she says, okay, we'll sing Eyes on the Sparrow. So he starts playing the song. And she starts singing that song, I is on the sparrow. And as she begins to sing the song, uh, she begins to slowly cry. And uh, somebody, how how's exactly the words of that song go, the, the refrain? Anybody know? I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. Because my eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. She starts crying. And he says, hey, you okay? And now everybody in the Starbucks is a tune, and this is the busiest Starbucks in the world. And she says, well, my daughter died of a brain tumor a week ago. I haven't been out of the house. That was my daughter's favorite hymn, and it's the last thing we sang before she died. And he says to her, are you going to be okay? And she says, now I am, because you picked that song. And I know my daughter's in heaven, and I know I'm going to be okay. And she turned around, she left. John Thomas Oakes has a blog for his website, and he put on his website, this was not an interruption. This was a divine encounter. If you allow God to interrupt your day, 
you're going to see divine encounters. Let's have a prayer. God, we are so busy. And we just want to get from one place to the next. Because our schedules are so important. God, let us give you permission to interrupt our lives. So that we can grow and be encouraged ourselves. And so that we can help others. So Lord, this morning we give you that permission. We give you permission to break through our schedules. And to interrupt our lives. To make a difference. In Jesus name. Amen. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.